Hi, Story Seeds podcast listeners. Your host, Betsy Bird here. Welcome to our bonus episode. One of my favorite parts of this job is that I get to talk to all the authors we are featuring on the podcast to get behind-the-scenes scoops on their experiences in writing life. Hey, this is Betsy Bird, host of the Story Seeds podcast. Now, I do not want to shock you or anything, but I am here with the newly minted, completely original National Ambassador of Young People's Literature, Jason Reynolds. Now, if you haven't heard of Jason or his work, then allow me to pluck up this large rock that you've been convalescing under and explain to you the situation. Here, this will jog your memory. Do you recall The Great American Read? and how Jason's Ghost was one of the very few contemporary children's books on there? Or how about his Newbery Honor for Long Way Down? Uh, His National Book Award nomination for Look Both Ways? Have you even read All American Boys or his Miles Morales Spider-Man novel? Because if not, I have really good news for you. It is not too late to discover someone this overwhelmingly talented. By now, you have heard his story, Who and What, on our last episode, and I am excited to be talking to him today. So, hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thanks for being here. I've uh, I've heard a lot of kids being talked to on this podcast, and none of them were like Earthen. He is like this Renaissance kid. <laughs> I have never seen anyone like him. What was what was your take on him? I mean, it was just he was the. I guess he he reminded me of who I was when I was that age, you know, just sort of curious about the world, passionate about the things he was passionate about, um, uninterested in the things he was uninterested in, you know, just sort of, (laughs) uh, you know, and I think there was something about, um, he sort of straddled this line of being completely a kid in the way that we know sort of kids, children, right? Uh, And also having a broader view of the world, which I thought was just really inspiring, super incredible. That's awesome. So what was it about um, working with him that sort of led you to being part of Story Seeds? You know, I think, when, so when I, when, when we sat down to, to, to talk, when I met him and he started to talk about his music, you know, I grew up sort of a music kid, love music. I still am a big music person. Uh, my little brother's a musician. Uh, you know, a lot of people in my family played the piano and it was always a thing in our house. And so when he started to talk about his music and playing the drums, uh, that was the initial sort of magnetism, I think, for me. Uh, I always am looking for any opportunity to talk to a young person about music, especially a young person like him who knows the ins and outs of musicianship. And and he wanted to show me his videos, his YouTube videos of him playing the drums, and and he's really good, and and sort of getting into the intricacies of of his drum kit. These are all things, basically, we just nerded out. Right. It was like, oh, this is a, a kid that I'm about to just have a nerd fest with about music. But what was even more incredible was when I asked him what he wanted to be for when he got older, if he wanted to play music. He was like, yeah, but first I want to like, you know, I think he said he wanted to to be a doctor or to be, be a doctor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's like, wait, you're playing music. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, like I want to be a musician eventually. Right. But I, but I also want to make sure that I help people because I think there's so many, he, he was saying how he feels like there's so many people who are being mistreated, so many people who are being ignored uh, and made invisible. And that really, really bothers him. Right. Like, and there's something about a kid with a heart like that, um, that, that just, can't be denied you know oh yeah and you guys had this like epic 
conversation. I'm, I'm sad that the the listeners are only going to hear, hear like just a, like a slice or like a smidgen of that because it just went from like everything under the sun. And so are you going to keep up with this kid in any way? I mean, like if only by watching his YouTube drumming videos, but do you, you want to see where he goes? I, I definitely do. I mean, I, I, you know, I always tell people um, spending so much time around young people every day of my life that there are some that's that sort of stick to you. Right. There are some that you carry with you and that you and that you drum up in random situations or that or that or that show up in random situations. You know, I, I'm sure I'll be somewhere and I'll see some kid drumming and I think of Earth and I'm sure I'll see some young people protesting uh, and trying to figure out how to help certain social causes like homelessness or things of this nature. And I think of Earth and um, and, and I watch him. I'll be checking on the internet to see when he pops up. I'm sure eventually he'll have an Instagram or something like that. And I'll, I'll pop up and watch him. And when he's a little older, I'll definitely check in with him. You know, I'm careful about keeping up, uh, keeping in communication with children just for safety reasons. But, you know, when he gets a little older, I definitely would try to try to, you know, keep my hand on his shoulder and at least let him know that there's somebody who's rooting for him and has been rooting for him since he was uh, very young. Yeah. No, so young. My God. I, you know. Thinking he's going to be president someday is not a crazy thought. This guy has so much energy. I'm just like, he's going to do absolutely freaking everything. That's amazing. Like, you recorded this podcast right after becoming the national ambassador of young people's literature. And in fact, you were in New York to share your ideas for your platform, grab the mic, tell your story. So, have you ever worked with a kid collaborator before this before? I mean, clearly you think it's important. I haven't worked with a kid collaborator to this extent, um, but I've done, I mean, you know, earlier in my career, sort of before anyone knew my name, I used to uh, go into schools of, and, and talk to sort of fourth graders and third graders and do a lot of collaborative work with them. Me and my buddy uh, Jason would go in and we'd do sort of exquisite corpses and we'd do paintings and we sort of create these stories on the spot um, so with, with whole classrooms. And it was really fun. Uh, so I do have a little experience with, with, with that part of it in terms of just trusting the person you're talking to. In this case, happens to be a 10-year-old or 11-year-old or, uh, or, or, or being uh, tr- trying to humble myself enough to just listen to what he had to say, let him tell his stories and, and, and be excited about whatever he's excited about. You know, if it's drumming, cool. If it's, if it's sort of uh, helping people, cool. If it's Brooklyn, cool. Like all the things that he um, loves in this moment, I love too. And, and, and I'm all in. Um, and I have had a little experience. With that. But the other thing is, I look, I'm with kids all the time. And, and even though it may not be a collaborative experience in terms of making a thing, I, it's always a collaborative experience when it comes to making a space. And that I and that I have every single day of my life with young people as I travel this country. Uh, I mean, I just got back from Indiana, and it's the same thing, right? Like we may not be collaborating to make anything other than a space for each of us to have this human moment together. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's the, the longest lasting thing. Um, and so, to that extent, I'd say I'm 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 pretty well versed. Yeah. Well, and so he comes. So you guys have this huge conversation. You, you talk about everything like, you know, school lunch, music, SpongeBob, everything. And then he starts talking his story idea. And it was like almost psychological. It was this proto idea that was sort of in its infancy. And you just sort of drew out like sort of the, the nut of the story there. So how did you kind of like bring that all together when you were writing the story? I mean, first of all, you can't even imagine how how incredible it is to talk to a kid for an hour about music. And then when you ask him what the, what he wants the story to be about, he says earthworms. 
right? Like, <laughs> right? Like, I, I hope, uh, and it's funny, this morning I was thinking about, I'm working on this thing and, and I had this sort of aha moment to crack the code of this story. And all I could think to myself is, I hope I can hold on. Like what, what Earth and Displayed is what I've been trying to hold on to for 25 years. The idea that we could be far reaching, that I could be here and make a left turn and figure out how to make uh, that intersection connect, right? And he didn't care. For him, it was like earthworms. Yeah, I want to talk about earthworms. And I say, well, why why earthworms? Because nobody ever thinks about the earthworms, right? Like this, even though we've been talking about music for so long, uh, this sort of, the freedom of, of of creativity, the freedom of of you know, of the freedom to care, right? Unashamed and unabashedly like that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you've been talking about me for a long time, but what I really want to talk about when it comes to the story is how no one is ever thinking about earthworms. And so that was the original thing. I wrote that down. Uh, I know he loved music, and he had already told me about his necessity to help people and how his, his sort of penchant for making sure that we live in a more equitable, a more equitable world. Uh, so these were just things I was jotting down. I knew he loved Brooklyn, and that that was his home, uh, and 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 that's a part of who. We, I mean, anybody who's growing up in Brooklyn knows that Brooklyn is a part of who you are. Right? It is it is connected to you? It is on you and in you and. And, 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 you know, that was a big part of the story, too. I mean, somebody, I lived there a long time and, and we sort of talked about that, you know, our, the neighborhoods that we live in, which are, which were very similar. Um, and so all of these things I sort of jot down as bullet points and then try to figure out, uh, try to stretch myself, right? It's like, all right, this is what the kid wants to talk about. Now it's up to me to tap into my my inner earthen, right? Who I was when I was his age, able to sort of say, I want to talk about, uh, you know, cars, and I want to talk about, you know, who knows, right? Pencils, right? I don't know, right? And, and being able to, and being able to figure out how to connect them, and that's that's sort of what it was for me—a meditative process, almost like, uh, almost like, you know, a retreat for me to kind of go back into my myself of who I was at that age to figure out uh, where the connecting points were to stretch myself, you know. Right, right, and, and as far as I can tell, like I, I read your story, and as far as I can tell. As a writer, you don't phone anything in. Like this story was short and sweet, but it had these like little shots of truth just sort of packed in there from like the start to the finish. And I just found myself wondering if you ever like just take it easy. I mean, do you just put that much attention to everything you write, or was this special in some way? Uh, you know, the, the truth is is that both things are true. This, this was special. This was special, but everything is to me. Right. If I'm going to sit down to contribute something, I need to make sure that I can stand on what I made. I, I'm not, I can't, uh, and this is of course, you know, to a fault sometimes, right? I can't have, I can't, I can't shortcut it. I, I just can't. And so if I'm going to do this in collaboration with this young person, to phone it in uh, bec- becomes almost exploitive. Right to phone it in becomes disrespectful and dismissive, not of me, but or, or even of Story Seed, but of this child. Uh, and so for me, um, I took it as seriously as I take everything else that I do. No, oh, it comes through. Um, now, an author sometimes has a completely different interpretation of their own work from what the readers get out of it. So, with that in mind, like, what in your eyes is this story about? Mm. Uh, for me, it's about a few things. I mean, number one, this is a story about about companionship, about friendship, uh, and that in the midst of like the beauty of friendship is visibility, right? That friends get to uh, serve as as 
sort of surveyors of your life. They get to serve as as viewers and participants of your life. And that's a powerful, powerful. I think we misunderstand sometimes. It doesn't always have to be about us having all the same uh, likes and dislikes. Sometimes it's about you just standing with me and acknowledging the fact that I am standing here. Uh, and and I think that's sort of what the, the, the part of the story is about, right? I think the other part of the story, though, is about how even in the midst of us sort of bearing witness to our lives, uh, everybody around us could very well be ignoring us, could not see us. And in the midst of them not seeing us, perhaps perhaps they don't see us because they because they assume that we are to be ignored because we are less than for some reason, whether it's because we're homeless or because uh, we're poorly dressed or because we may look a little disheveled or because we're an earthworm, right? Uh, suddenly, uh, suddenly our value, our social value has been stripped from us and people get to step over us as if we're nothing. People get to fly over us as if we're nothing, right? This is a very real part of who we are uh, as human beings. Um, and what I wanted to say uh, in this story is that the, the biggest misconception uh, is that the people who are, who are ignoring us uh, those people believe that they are being that they are that they are the ones that they are the people. When truly, in the midst of their ignorance, in the midst of their dismissal, in the midst of their erasure, they are made less than people. They are made less than human, and that the people who they are ignoring are truly uh, those who are living, are truly those uh, who are having a, a, a true human experience, and, and everyone else is missing out. Right? I firmly believe this. I think it's I, here's a, a prime example: is the way that adults talk about and treat children. Right. It's like we're willing to overlook them. We're willing to dismiss them. We're willing to erase them. We're willing to say that they are less than because they are not 25 or 35 or 45, that they're less than because they can't uh, because some of them can't work for themselves yet and provide for themselves yet. That They're less than because they haven't learned all the things that perhaps we know. And sometimes in the midst of that erasure and that dismissal, what we don't realize is that they know much more because what they know is different and what they know we've already lost. And there's something to be said about that. Earthen can say, I want to play the drum, but I want to talk about earthworms because he's still holding on to a thing that most of us have lost, have lost. And we're willing to see a guy like Earthen and his and his and his friends and his neighborhood and his age group as less than just because they're children. Yep. Yep. And so for the kids who are like listening to this and they're hearing you say this and they're hearing you talk about this, well, they often want to know how did you how did you become an author? How did you get your start? Like, what's your origin story, man? Like, how did you begin with this? I mean, my, my origin story is that I was an earthworm, mm. right? My origin story is that the kids in my neighborhoods were earthworms. This idea, like, like I grew up a kid who who had a, I had a great time. I, my, I come from sort of a broken home, but my mom was amazing. My, my siblings were complicated. My, my family dynamics were complicated, but, but we were okay. And we, we did, we, you know, I lived a, a cornucopia of a life. There were good things and bad things and complicated things and easy things and fun things and sad things. And all of those uh, moments were happening simultaneously as I'm growing up. And the one place I couldn't run to uh, were stories. That just wasn't there. I could run to my friends, though. And I could sort of be on the in the, in the street in the neighborhood being mischievous and, and breaking rules and, and, you know, being a knucklehead. But I could never run to a book because the books uh, back then, um, the stories weren't being written for earthworms like me. 
mm-hmm. right? That that wasn't a thing. And so uh, as I got older and I and I started to write poetry and I started to, you know, I, I rap music saved my life in a very real way, which is why I love the fact that Earthen loves music so much because music saved me. It saved my whole my whole neighborhood, a lot of my friends. Um, and and it was in the studying of, of, the, of those lyrics that I discovered poetry, and it was in the studying of that poetry that I found my voice. Uh, and then eventually, it was in tapping back into the courage of my young self that, that allowed me to take poetry and eventually start writing stories uh, for, for the rest of us who, who still sometimes can't, can't find um, their narrative and their tale uh, between the pages of the book. What was the first thing that made you want to write a, a novel then? So... The truth is, is that the, the first thing that made me want to write a novel was Walter Dean Myers is the young landlords. He had uh, so Christopher Myers is a good buddy of mine, one of my best friends, uh, Walter's son. And Chris, I, I remember being 23, 24, 25. And Chris was telling me that he thinks I should write a novel. And I told him that I really didn't think I wanted to write at all anymore. I had been in the industry for four years at that point. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I was a a bit despondent and, and discouraged. And uh, he said, go and find one of my father's books and just read it and see if it shakes something loose. And I remember going to the store and buying The Young Landlords. And there was something about the language in that book and even the premise, the idea that these kids in the neighborhood could inherit a slum building, could become landlords uh, and, 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 could, and could save their home just by honoring it. Right is something that I directly connected to uh, in the language, uh, the way that he was writing, the looseness to it all. Um, it, I don't know. It chemically changed me, and, and shortly after that, I, I gave it a swing. Yeah, works out. So, certainly from a from a personal point of view, I'm I'm just waiting for when you start doing picture books at some point here. It's just a matter. Uh, it's it's, it, I got one. It's on its way. Oh, good, good. I like hearing that. That's fine. <laughs> all right. Let's say you got a kid whose like imagination is like stuck in some way. Like it's just not coming. And 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 what can they do to unstick it in some way? Like what would be your advice to them? Oh. Uh I think the best thing to do would be to learn the thing you don't know, right? Sometimes I think that everybody has their interests and sometimes our interests become uh become um our prisons if we're not careful. Right. The things that we love and that we sort of gravitate toward, the things that we're good at. Right. I think sometimes these things can can oppress us or they can they can sort of tamp us down if we're not careful. So my my suggestion, my advice is, you know, go learn the thing that you that you're not interested in. Right. I, sometimes when I'm home, I turn the TV on and I, I flip through and then suddenly I'm watching the Discovery Channel and I'm learning about some bird I've never heard of. And I just go ahead and give it some time. I go ahead and give it 20 minutes of me learning about this bird. And usually that 20 minutes becomes an hour of me watching the whole show. And now I'm fat. Next thing you know, I'm on the internet Googling what this bird is about, more about it, right? And I'm, and, and then you see it show itself in the pages of a book, like As Brave As You, right? That's the way that works, right? I, or, you know, I watch these strange movies. I read books that I normally wouldn't read to see if there's something there because there's, because everything has value and has something to offer. And so, uh, and so your imagination is only fueled by your curiosity, right? So you have to remain curious about the world around you. You have, you can't be closed and think that your imagination is going to survive. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. All right. So real quick here. You've got at least two books that we know that are coming out soon here. You've got the uh, Stamped. Can you tell me a little bit about it? It is 
basically a new way for us to engage young people, a new way for young people to engage rather with the conversation uh, of the conversation about race in this country. And not just the conversation as it pertains in its contemporary form, but the conversation uh, as it pertains to history. Here is what happened, right? But it's written in a way that feels relevant to them and for them. Uh, it's conversational. It's like being in conversation with history. It changes the way that we think about what it means to read a history book. Or, and I'm hoping that they use it in school, in social studies class. I'm hoping that they they use it in curriculums to say, like, you know, these conversations can actually be really interesting and fun uh, and musical uh, and engaging. And this is that book, hopefully. Um, it's based on Dr. Ibram X. Kendi's stamp from the beginning, which is the definitive history of race in America uh, and racist ideas, right? And, and deals with the and deals with the concept of anti-racism. Um, and, and the overall goal is just to give young people uh, literacy when it comes to race, give young people vocabulary, language, lexicon, so that by the time they are 20 years old, they can have these really uncomfortable conversations in a more comfortable space, uh, in a less emotional space, but a more informed way. Uh, and we can actually turn some corners. That, that, that's the overall goal. That's great. And then I understand Long Way Down is being turned into a graphic novel uh, in October. It is. It yeah. is. Who's doing the art? Who's doing the art? Uh, Danica, she's one of the best in our in our in our game because um, uh, I'm so excited. I, I can't wait for people to see it because it's not what people are going to think about think of when they think graphic novel. This is sort of like it almost feels like it feels like fine art. Like it feels like it should be in a museum. Like it's beautiful and it's it's watercolor and washed. And I mean, it is, it, it's, it's a work of art because that's my whole thing, right? I didn't want to do a graphic novel in its traditional sense. I mean, I've, you know, I've been all over the world and when you, when you travel and you look at what's happening overseas in terms of art, graphic art, uh, graphic novels, like if you go to see what the French are doing, what the Italians are doing, it's really beautiful and sophisticated stuff. And they're breaking the bounds of sort of your traditional comic book blocks, right? All of which, and, and like the cell, the cell format, all of which I think is great. Um, and a brilliant way to tell a story. But I am always trying to push for something more. And Danica is the perfect collaborator. And is, um, is, is this is far beyond what I ever imagined it could be. So I'm excited for people to see it. All right. Well, Jason Reynolds, this was just a pure pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to me today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And thanks for everything over the years. I, I really appreciate it. Well, folks, that's all for today. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast streaming platform so you can tune in as soon as our newest episodes drop. If you have a stellar story seed and want to be on the show, email us at storyseeds at literarysafari.com. You can also call our hotline at 646-389-5153 and leave a voicemail telling me all about it. Find us on Instagram at StorySeedsPod and visit our website, www.storyseedspodcast.com for behind-the-scenes pictures, to join the StorySeed Society, and so much more. Credit to Matt Boynton and Anya Jeshik of Ultraviolet Audio for the sound mixing, design, and score of our bonus episode. Our theme music is composed and performed by Andrew Van Weingarten, and I am your host, Betsy Bird. Story Seeds is a literary safari media production. On Story Seeds, you're in control of your.
Story scene.